And I think parents and teachers, you know, I was guilty of this myself, where you would think, oh, I need to do, you know, we need to do a really intensive, there's got to be a really complicated answer to this. And listen, I'm not saying that, you know, doing and breathing every time will automatically change someone's mental health, but it's small things over a long period of time. Like if you're consistent with things, that's when you see the biggest impact. It's, it's when we, we get in our heads that things have to be really overly complicated, that things don't work at all. So when you feel angry as a parent you say to your child do you know I'm feeling a little bit angry right now it's not about you I just feel a bit stressed about work I'm actually going to just count to 10 and take a couple of deep breaths so you're modeling that behavior to your children knowing that it's okay to display these emotions but to show that there's a resolution to it that mum's going to feel okay once you take some deep breaths So today I'm joined by Karen Gibb all the way from Scotland. So thank you very much for joining us. And you're, you've got this really interesting concept, which I saw on LinkedIn, which is Mind Marbles, which is a, it's about empowering children to discover inner calm. And you do it in schools and nurses, nurseries, and it's got a mental health focus for kids, which I think is very, really interesting and a really unique thing which you offer. So maybe do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce Mind Marbles to us? Sure. Thanks so much for having me on, Joel. I'll speak kind of slow for your Aussie listeners, although I know, I know we all like it. It's the other way, it's the other way around when if you put your accent in other, other places, they say the same thing. Totally. So, yeah, I'm Karen, and I was a school teacher before, so I was always really interested in the well-being of the children. I couldn't quite meet their needs in the classroom. There was so much administration and other things to do in the class besides teaching. So I really um, looked at kind of wellbeing strategies that could support children from the age, kind of from really young age of three years old onwards. And, you know, I did a couple of courses, was really interested in sort of really getting into the emotional wellbeing. And that's where Mind Marvels was born. It was it was a real love for wanting to help children with finding that inner calm. I think that probably stems from my own childhood where I, I was I was always been really outgoing, really bubbly, um, but I always had that kind of inner anxiety that I couldn't quite understand until I was in my late twenties and decided to leave teaching, which was, you know, in some people's eyes such a big catastrophic move. But what that allowed me to do was to grow my mind marvels into the successful child that it is across the UK now. Yeah, it's a very impressive thing what you've done and at such a young age as well um, to do that in entrepreneurship and franchising. And I work for Australia's largest franchise here, so I know it's not it's not easy. We've got around 5,150 franchisees, so I know a, a little bit about it and I can appreciate how much of an effort is from you as a new startup in regards to it as well. So it's really, really impressive. Yeah, it's it's massive and it's such a, it's such a, it's a great achievement. There's so much more you can do in franchise. There is. You know, I look at Jim. So I used to live in Australia. I did the typical backpacker. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Loved Melbourne. Uh, loved Perth. They were my two favourite places. But yeah, I saw Jim's moan everywhere. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was back in 2014. I don't even know what yeah. franchise it was then. But And that's all I thought Jim's was. I didn't realise it's grown to the... I mean, it's insane now, the, the amount of services that Jim's offer. But it's such a, a great model, you know, and it really... If it's done right, if franchising is done right, it can really, really be so beneficial. And unfortunately, you get a few bad apples out there that really taint, you know, the name of franchise and people think it's a crazy pyramid scheme or something, you know. (laughs) If you're in Australia, Jim would actually love this. Jim's pretty big on mental health and something like this. He loves the tutoring sort of side and school teaching and stuff. So he would actually love 
something like what you're doing in Australia. Well, we we are like super keen once we once we're further in the UK and a bit longer into our journey. I think Australia is definitely the next place to go because. America and Canada is, is a bit more difficult over there. Um, America especially for, for franchising, but yeah, I've been there. I'll I'll take any option to get to get back there and visit. <laughs> uh, but I want to. We won't make this a plug for gyms, but I want to go back to what you how, how this all developed in regards to what you're doing. So you're being a school teacher, yeah. and there's so many things you guys have to do as it is, right? You know, you got to. There's so many things you got to do. You got to teach the curriculum. You've got to then if. Yeah, it's if a kid needs more attention than someone else, like their breast, like it's there's a lot of stuff going on. And so, was it you where you just, as you said, you just saw this big gap where kids you could not give physically the time and the attention to these kids in these situations at all, and and they weren't getting that at home or something, or how is it all? Just feeling like a massive failure as a teacher, to be honest. Like when you when you go into teaching, for most people, you know, ninety nine percent of people, it's about the kids, right? It's all about teaching and making the best for them and I just felt like I, I was I was missing something like the kids couldn't settle they were restless they would come in with like having big emotions which obviously is absolutely fine but they didn't know what to do with their emotions they didn't know how to communicate when they had an issue so instead it would come out in different behaviours that could be distressing you know to themselves and to other kids and to the staff as well so it really just got me thinking like you know, and as a teacher, we'd have mental health specialists coming in. We'd have like assemblies where people would come from charities and stuff to to showcase things. But nothing really hit the nail on the head, and that's where kind of I got thinking about things. And this was probably like 2017, kind of into 2018. I discovered mindfulness. I discovered kind of some calming strategies for my own mental health. And it was around that time that I actually discovered that, you know, we can only control our own behaviours. It's, you know, we're not actually responsible for everyone else. And I think a lot of the time I would get in a cycle of like blaming other people for how I feel and, you know, getting in this really vicious cycle in my thoughts. So when I took this time to realise with a bit of mindfulness and a, and a bit of sort of help that way, that there was other options, that there was there was ways that I could deal with my, and manage my own emotions. I was so eager to get that out into the classroom and really explore that with the children. And that's kind of where it started and then very quickly snowballed. And I realised, oh, I could actually have a career or a business out of this. You know, and I, I didn't know that was an option before. But how did it work in the early days? Was it something where did you start in your own class or did it, did you go around to other schools or how did you get this involved and how did you start teaching it in, in, in this section? Yeah, so um, I was a the kids were the guinea pigs. <laughs> which to be honest they probably didn't enjoy because you know you're aware, you're trying to teach something yep. new <laughs> and you're not very good at it at that point and then what I did was I left my, my permanent teaching job and started doing like supply and like substitute teaching so that I could then choose my own hours and I started going into other schools and delivering it and I could see a real benefit and I could see the teachers and the head teachers really wanted this um, for their own school their own classes and that's where the light bulb went, you know, this this could be a really good business opportunity that could help children. And I had no idea about franchising at that point. It was just me on my own. And and that was it, it was it was great for a while. But after after a certain amount of time, it was like, how can I expand it? But that's just because you got so busy or you just had the need and you had just didn't have you you're only one person, right? So you just yeah. you, you, you can only do so much. So is that because you had such demand and you it was such a good um, results for it, people wanted to use it, but you couldn't physically do it, so that's why you went to, the, to that model. 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, COVID's kind of helped that because when yes. what that time when the schools are shut, you're like, how can I expand this business? Like, what what can I do to impact more children's lives? And and that's where you know I started thinking: Do you want to take on staff? Do you want to, you know, what other options are there? And and that's that's kind of how it all began. Really, really excelled from there. And how do kids respond to this sort of thing? So how did, how did I do? How do you explain the concept of it? What are some strategies or what are some things that they learn in these classes? So every session is based on five key steps. So the first part, they learn a little bit about their brain or their emotions. And then we do some mindful movement. We just get shaking that excess energy. So they just kind of move around the class or they stay on the same spot. And we, we do some simple exercises. And then we do the connects part, which is all about the breathing. So we learn the breathing strategies. We do mindful massage, which is peer to peer on the back fully clothed and it's all about consent as well so children are asked if they'd like a mindful massage and then it's all about that connectedness and you know some children have never had a hug you know that week so to actually have really positive touch is such a great area to cover and then we move on to mindfulness relaxation and then finally gratitude and positive affirmations so they'll stand up in class and say you know I am strong or show me their superhero pose um, is really powerful. So we're just in nurseries or kindies, as you guys call them, and primary schools at the moment. But the impact that we hope from targeting children so young is that it will, you know, spiral. Yeah. It'll be a ripple effect for as they grow older. Like, I always say just take one strategy away. You don't need to learn everything. But if you remember one tool, That'll be so powerful, you know, just to take a couple of deep breaths before you say something unkind. You know, that that's the sort of impact that, that we generate and is so powerful. Now, you said a lot of things there. I just want to touch them real quickly, which I think are really important. Like, you don't, like, I think it's really important that everyone's home situation is different, right? So, for me, I had a single mum with bipolar disorder, like, right? it was chaos, but you got to come to school and you got to perform. So, for you, what people probably, you know, it, all everyone's situations are different. This kid might have the perfect, you know, couple of parents working you know doing well and the other kid might have they'd be struggling and you know something going on at home so that's what you said to me was really important and was about that kid might be the first time they're having a hug you know in a week or someone said yeah. good something good to them for the whole week you know without judging their situation at home we don't know but that for me is such a really really important impact because you might have people who not don't have that at all until they're 18 or 16 or something and they don't feel loved or anything like that at home and it's such a really it, it shapes who they are and and there's something like that when i hear that i just think wow what a massive impact it can have on a kid who might not be getting that at home whereas with this sort of thing they can get something which is really 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 important to them absolutely and even if you've got that perfect family of two parents at home you know that have successful jobs they might not have the time for that child true, so true, yeah. And you could have a, you know, you could have a single parent family or even a foster family where actually there's so much love and appreciation. Mm. So it's really easy as human beings to judge situations, isn't it? But when you kind of get right into it, you realise that we don't know people's situations or we can't make those judgments. So we just try and make it as fair and equal for all the children to experience and enjoy together. No, I think it's really, really important. As like a massive, it would make a massive amount of impact. Some of those things, I reckon. What you do is, is, is that the feedback you get? Do you get some sort of comments from kids saying that, and you just think, wow, like, or even the parents or something? What's the sort of feedback you're getting from these things? Yeah, it's just fantastic. The kids are like, this is the best thing ever. Like, they don't feel like it's work, which is why it's so important because. 
if you're like, right, let's sit down and do some like well-being worksheets, all of a sudden, you know, yeah. you're taking that knowledge that kids suddenly know how to read and write, you know, that they, they, they have the ability to hold a pencil. Like everything that we do is really, really accessible for all children. So even, for example, I've worked with um, children that have come over from Ukraine from the war. So, you know, they don't need the language of English necessarily to take part. Yeah. Obviously, you know, we talk about things in English, but, you know, the the parts of breathing and, and mindful massage, that's things you can do without a language barrier. So it's accessible and that's that's what we want. And when the kids feel it's fun and it's not work, they don't actually know that, yeah, they are working on their own well-being. <laughs> yeah, I had a look at the videos. It's it, They're great. And, um, yeah, it's just really, really important stuff and i just think you know if i i think a lot of people who might be hearing this going geez i've only had that as a kid because it's such a really good gap that you feel because as you would know from being a school teacher you just can't these things are really really important but they're not they're not academic per se but in regards to making someone a, a really good you know good person and then giving them those things they can get that in something like this which i just think is absolutely wonderful yeah i mean when you think about moments as a child like you'll remember the most bizarre small acts of kindness <laughs> you know I, I have like visions of like I remember like as a child like someone like being really kind or holding a door yeah. open like the smallest things it's not the grand gestures or the big presents at Christmas you know that children necessarily remember as they get older so I really think if we could impact them with these kind of moments of positivity then as it's like it starts that little thread of you know wordiness and and resilience within them that they can then weave as, as they become adults and that that's what's so important and sometimes that's really hard to measure as well you can't yes. <laughs> it's not like i'm going in and we're doing a dance routine together and you can see the progression from start to finish yeah but what is um you know you just take the reviews from the kids and the staff that watch as well and you just i remember seeing a child a couple of years after um i'd worked with him and he said, oh, I still do my breathing hand when I feel anxious. And I was like, that's the moments you want to capture. That's that's the, that's the what we're all about, those tiny little moments that make that biggest impact on the children. Yeah, it's, it's so important. There's an organisation over here called Satellite Foundation, and they specialise in working with young carers who have got a parent with a mental health condition. So they basically do things like creativity and stuff, and kids can express themselves through creativity as, as opposed to sitting out with a psychologist or something like that. But that's sort of, to me, like that impact of having that at that age, you know, whereas if you don't have that sort of thing there, it's, it's very hard to measure. Like, you know, you're intervening at someone at six or eight years old and they don't have that intervention and then seeing where their life turns out at the age of 18, it's very hard to prove. And they, that organisation over here, they've got funding from our government, which is fantastic, but it was always very hard for them to prove the impact of the program, which is, yeah. you know, it's yeah. a bit... We know how much impact it can have, but to try and, you know, funding and all that sort of stuff, it can be very hard to, to quantify. So is there people from your experience anyway where you've seen come in and do this just to change or how have you, have you been able to measure, not measure, but like see see someone through that development over, let's say, a year or two or however long it's been? Yeah. Um, so what we do is we have a QR code system. So we give every child a QR code and it has A, B, C, D around it. So what we can do is we ask multiple choice questions and the kids rotate the card to which answer um, is most applicable to them. Yeah. So maybe things like, how did my marvels make you feel today? You know, A, cam, you know, B, sad, whatever. So 
hopefully most of the children turn it to A. And it's quite anonymous. It's quite discreet in the class. The letters are quite small around it. And then I take my phone and it's got a QR reader and then it automatically scans them all like instantly. And then it produces a bar graph for me so I can see. Now, it's not perfect because obviously you're not, it's, it's multiple choice questions, but, you know, it gives you a little bit of, of, you know, you can see how the progression is happening. But we also encourage, you know, post-it notes and things where the kids can write comments as well. So we're really open to ideas. And actually, one of the children once was like, oh, it'd be great if we had eye masks, you know, for the relaxation part to wear. And I was like, that's an amazing idea. So now we all have eye masks. So you're, it's constantly evolving. And that's what's really exciting about this business, because I don't want it to stay the same. When things stay the same, it becomes mundane and can almost become a bit boring. So we're always exploring new ways to bring different elements of well-being in and try new things, which is really exciting. That's awesome. And I was going to say as well, what's the feedback you get from parents or teachers in particular? Yeah, really positive. And I think parents and teachers, you know, I was guilty of this myself, where you would think, oh, I need to do, you know, we need to do a really intensive, there's got to be a really complicated answer to this. And listen, I'm not saying that, you know, doing breathing every time will automatically change someone's mental health, but it's small things over a long period of time. Like if you're consistent with things, that's when you see the biggest impact. It's it's when we, we get in our heads that things have to be really overly complicated, that things don't work at all. So what about, you know, when you feel angry as a parent, you say to your child, do you know, I'm feeling a little bit angry right now. It's not about you. I just feel a bit stressed about work. I'm actually going to just count to 10 and take a couple of deep breaths. So you're modelling that behaviour to your children, knowing that it's okay to display these emotions, but to show that you, there's a resolution to it, that mum's going to feel okay once you take some deep breaths. Because the worst thing we can do as parents and educators is hide our emotions from children. They're very intuitive. Like they know when things are wrong. Like you'll remember like as a kid, you know, if mum wasn't well or something wasn't going right, like you, you feel it inside. Like we, we know. Oh, you know, um, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I think as long as, you know, we, we do it in a, you know, we're not spilling everything to children, you know, I think keeping them in the loop and, and being open about things is a massive help with our emotional well-being for them and for us, I think. And do you think now, just with the way the world is in terms of how fast it is, that something like this is basically a must now? Because I don't know, the school system in Australia is pretty pretty backwards in this. You know, that would not, you might, you might occasionally, maybe in sports, you might have a teacher who's into yoga or something, you might want to do something like that. But other than that, it's pretty much straight academic and there's nothing about emotional well-being or, or anything like that. So do the schools really understand how important it is what you do or how important this stuff is? And do the kids also understand it? Yeah, great question. I, th- I think the schools definitely do, especially after COVID. You know, they see the, the impact of the, the mental health that children mm. have and, and the challenges that schools are facing. So I definitely think, you know, the parents are, are very aware and, and the schools are very aware as well because also they're having all the children in together so they're seeing that impact when children are having disagreements or they're, they're you know they're they're not able to find resolutions within their own friendship groups as well so I think it's massively important and I think I think over time you'll see that you know hopefully in Australia but definitely in the UK they're taking a bigger stance on mental health I know that the Scottish government have ring-fenced money specifically for mental health in schools which is 
fantastic because it means that schools can fund services like ours and then get us in for a longer period of time too. Well, how's the conversation with mental health then, general in Scotland? Is there something where you've seen a big change, let's say, in the last 10 or 5 years? Because I can imagine Scotland might be very similar in terms of Australia, in terms of the culture is obviously a little bit different, but like in terms of, let's say, the men men in both places, you know, very blokey sort of, you know, go go to the pub for a beer and stuff and not really say much else. But do you how do you have from your perspective over there, do you want to just tell us a bit about what's the landscape like? Yeah, I mean, if you look, you know, if we're being honest, if you look at the suicide rates, um, you know, it's still the biggest colour of, you know, young men. You know, suicide is very prominent there. I think the language around mental health is becoming better. There's less stigma. I know in Australia, Australia you guys have men's sheds and, and we yep. have something similar here. So that's that's becoming more popular as well. But I think people are talking about it more, but I still see a lot of, it's a lot of female orientated, you know, whilst I still feel men have a way to go. But I think things are improving and I really hope in Australia that things kind of improve as well because we can't continue as as we're going. And the only way to, to improve is to open up, to talk about our feelings, to not be afraid to ask for help. And I think if these services are available easily then you know it becomes it becomes like you know just asking to go to the doctor in general it's like i just need some mental health you don't think twice about it like i think if you had like a broken leg you'd be straight to the emergency room whilst you know if your mental health's at an all-time low you're like i'll just i'll just leave it and that's the danger yeah. isn't it yeah and what we do is we try to not come in at that point you know we are we are starting the kids very young and the hope that they bring these strategies into adulthood. And so when they have these moments of real distress, you know, they, they have a couple of tools that they can use alongside talking to people and, you know, perhaps other therapies if needed as well. Yeah, it's a pre- pre- really good preventative thing. And just making kids aware that at such an early age when they're so impressionable is such a really good tool and could really change the course of someone's life. And so that a savings of an economy, you know, changing someone here as opposed to down the track and then you've got all this stuff and stuff, I just think it's really important what you do. And how does it work in regards to, is it something where you're doing a whole class or is it just certain kids or how does it all, all work with, with, with um, these classes? So we usually do whole classes, so around 30 children um, as a maximum, but we can also do sort of smaller targeted groups. We don't tend to do one-to-ones just because it can become a little bit like therapy and we want to be very clear that we have calming strategies for not therapists and I think that's what makes us stand apart as well. So, you know, we, we can go in and work with groups of children and give them strategies straight away rather than, you know, some therapies are fantastic but it might be a process of talking it through, you know, finding out what the root problem was, where we're just very like, here's some strategies to help, you know, with prevention, really. So I was going to say as well, is it like a weekly thing in line with the school terms or how does it work? That's right. So we tend to go into schools once a week and then we'll we'll have around 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes with a class. And we'll, we'll have a different topic every week. So some of the topics are resilience or, you know, big emotions, anger, friendships. So if a school says, you know, we're having real issues with friendships and this, you know, people form a friendships, we know to include that topic in our in our block for the school, which is really nice as well. And, and what are the teachers saying? Because I, I presume the teachers would keep most of those kids for at that age for all the whole time. So what are they saying, let's say, at the end of eight weeks or the end of ten weeks? What are they, are they noticing a big difference or what are they, what's the feedback from them? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think what we try and encourage is if, if the teachers are in with us um, watching, um, we try and encourage them to take some of the strategies because we don't want to just go in, do it, and then it's forgotten about because life happens, right? We're all busy and we all forget. So we try and incorporate the strategies in so the teachers are aware as well. And we also have a staff wellbeing hive online. So teachers can tap into that for their own mental health. I, I think that's just as important that we can support them to some degree as well as the pupils. So it's a, a all-school approach, a whole-school approach there with targeting emotional wellbeing. Yeah, and how suits becoming a franchisee uh, with My Marvel? So you've got a great website. I had a look. You've got really good branding. Right. It's a really great concept, which I think a lot of people would be passionate about. It's just a matter of um, them knowing that this is an option for them. So what type of people or what sort of person are your franchisees who, who come into the My Marvels franchise? They have to like children. And I know that sounds really <laughs> yes. obvious. <laughs> I get, I, I'll interrupt you there. We've got one called Jim's Dog Wash. And if someone says, I don't like dogs, it's like every one for them. So I can presume it's a similar sort of thing. Yeah. So we have to like children. I like work, obviously working with children. It's different to liking children as well because, you know, <laughs> working with them is like a whole different ballgame. Yeah. <laughs> really passionate about their own well-being. So all our franchisees are really into sort of mindfulness. Some of them do like cold water swimming, you know, some they're really into like gratitude, positive affirmations, positive people like that. And again, that sounds really obvious, but you don't want to go into business or partnership with people that are negative Nellies, you know, Mm -hmm. that don't, don't, can't see a solution. Um, Because working with kids is difficult, right? Like I never pretend otherwise. So I'm never like, oh, you know, you'll love this. It'll be so easy from the start. It's not. It takes resilience. It takes courage. Like, it's scary to stand up in front of a room of children. (laughs) So we really look for people that are motivated as well because we want people to build teams. We want people to have multiple, multiple schools that they work in so that we can really create that ripple effect across Scotland, across the UK, and, hey, maybe in Australia one day too. (laughs) Now, how many schools are you currently in? Um, so I think just now we are probably in, we've probably worked with over 50 schools, I would say, just in Scotland alone. So it's been pretty intense. Um, and I think the impact of that is we've worked with thousands of children, like literally thousands of children, which is quite staggering to think about. You know, it's quite overwhelming. But this is just the beginning, Joel, and that's what's so exciting for me. Like I can't wait to see how the, ba- the brand expands over the next couple of years and really the massive, massive impact we can make on children, on the adults that work with them, but also on the franchisees as well. It's it's such a rewarding job and it, it's really it really gives you like chills to see the impact that it that it makes on the kids. It's it's so rewarding. I was gonna say as well, um I've interviewed another founder from who did a thing called Little Dreamers, which is in Australia and she is charity for young carers named Maddie. and she's got Order of Australia medal and stuff. Really, really high achiever. I was gonna say you remind me of her in that you've got this passion or you had this thing like, I wish I had this, you know, when I was younger, it would have helped me so much. And you've gone and created this whole great organization around something that could have helped you. So for you, is it something where you've gone in to create deliberately a social enterprise or is it just something where this is the passion and then if I can monetize it, great, or if I can franchise it, great, or how have you, what was your approach from the start when you were doing this? I'd love to say I had a plan. Like I wasn't a business owner. I'd always been employed. Um, you know, I'd had loads of jobs, but I think traveling um, when I was in my early twenties was like what inspired me to kind of 
when the job wasn't working for me. Like when, when I worked in Australia, it was like if I didn't like the job, I would just leave. <laughs> but that sort of when I came back, you know, some people could see that as a negative, but I actually find that really healthy. Like I don't think we're designed as humans to stay in a job for 30, 40, 50 years like our kind of the older generation mm. did. So I'd love to say there was a plan from the start, but absolutely not. I'd say really the franchise just started taking shape in the last couple of years. And that's when I, I went, OK, this is actually not just me in this business anymore. <laughs> so I need to have a business plan, a strategy, a marketing plan. You know, I need to be concise with what I'm doing now because it doesn't just affect myself. Um, so it has grown out of, I'd say, total love for what I do. Um, but then I've had to put the business goggles on and go, right, how do I actually make this work as a viable business? And how do you support the franchisees? Is it something where you're doing regular meetings? What are you What are you doing to support the franchisees? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that's, that's key, right? Their success is my success. So we have regular group meetings. We have an annual conference. I'm available on, we have like a kind of a Google chat we use. So where we, we talk on there every day. Um, but it's really about when they have ideas as well, it's like, right, amazing, like bring it to me, I'll implement it. And if it yeah. doesn't work, we can see we've tried it, right? Like I'm very forward thinking like that. And I know from listening to a couple of podcasts with Jim, I know that that's kind of his mantra as well. It's exactly his mantra. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Like there's nothing worse than a business staying still and like somebody at the top going, you can't do this, you can't do this. Like why not be open to all these people have the same passion as me, right? So why not be open to their ideas? And I, I don't know ever. I know it's hard to believe, but I don't know everything. <laughs> so why don't I get these brains together and we, we, we can work this out and make this even bigger and better for those children? Now, is there, I don't know too much about the product in particular in regards to, is there other people who do this in Scotland or is there other models that are similar to you or is this something that's just really, really new or is it a new industry that people like, Looking forward, you know, 20 years, it might be something we, we, we know about regularly, but we're at the ground floor right now with what you're doing. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty unique in the sense of there's like yoga, there's mindfulness yep. out there. What we do is kind of incorporate calming strategies as, as the, the big umbrella to what we do. So there is other companies out there and there's charities that do similar work. But I'd say what we have is that the, the session plans are really targeted, you know, with my teaching background. And my ability to, to have children be the guinea pigs, if you like, when I was in my teaching career, I think that's really helped me to, to fine tune what we offer and, and to be specific about what we offer as well. You know, I think at the start it was like, oh, yeah, we do this and this and this. And now it's like we offer common strategies that that's that's what we offer and that's what we tell the schools we offer and it's what we deliver. So we're very concise with that. And I think that's what makes it work and like you said the branding in this day and age like you need strong branding people forget about you we don't want to be forgotten so <laughs> we're all being through from that i think it's great i think the more people can hear about what you do the more people i don't think anyone would say it's not a good idea at all i think it'd just be a matter of um maybe some of the grizzled people who sort of think you know or you know kids don't need that or whatever just trying to change those perceptions but i think it's so important what what you're doing at the moment and how do you are, are schools skeptical when you approach them, or how do you, how do you sell this to schools, or they get it straight away, or how does that normally work? I don't really need to sell to schools if I'm honest, to they get it. I mean, I think it's it's it, they're just seeing it in their kids every day, the behaviours and their emotions. They know that it's needed. I think it's sometimes it's a bit about budget, you know, it's it's having that yeah. chat about 
can they afford it or you know they can they get money from here and there to sort of you know it's more budgeting rather than anything but I think like I was saying with the Scottish government and the UK government as well to some extent they're now seeing the benefits of, of mental health because if we get kids emotions right then the attainment the brain part yeah. can learn and and you know if we're talking about an economy right it, I, I have dif- differing opinions about this but the government seems to want us to go to university and then get a job and you know build up the economy which is great um but now you know if kids aren't able to learn emotionally they, then they can't learn for their brain to to do these things and have these important jobs growing up which mm. to me isn't that important right i think they'll find their own feet they'll go to uni uni if they want to go to uni i don't think it's something necessarily that kids need to do nowadays but I think from a government point of view, they're like, oh, this could actually help our economy and drive jobs and, and businesses. Because also you see the massive amount of sick days that mental health takes, you know, yeah. and businesses day to day. So if we can reduce that, then it's a win-win really for everyone, for, for the kids' emotional health, but also for the economy on a, on a I, larger scale. You said it perfectly, and I agree to completely here. That's why with us... The organisation I always share, Satellite Foundation, they help young kids who have a parent with a complex mental health condition. They identify them at six or seven and with, from then within camps and stuff. But it's the same thing. Like we had no intervention, but I knew statistically kids in those situations are always more likely to be in jail. They earn significantly less, you know, this and that. And yeah, that preventative action there is saving the economy, most likely based on statistics, a whole lot up here. So it's actually a really big cost saving for governments, but they just got to expand their mind and think longer term, which they don't do. And I know, and of course, even like with crime rates, so yes. somebody perhaps you know when they're older, like just walks away, you know, from mm. potentially a violent incident that could change someone's impact. And I know that sounds really long-winded and and really out there, but it's not because it's all relative. If that person can't manage their emotions and they blow up and you know they they end up in a physical fight that ends you know tragically, then the consequences of that are huge for themselves the victim, both families, you know, society, it just, it is, it just echoes and echoes. 100%. And I think for parents as well, they would appreciate, like they might not know how to approach teaching a kid about well-being. They might want to, but they just don't maybe know how to do it. And just having the experts like yourself and your franchisees, uh, they're going to handle that side for me. Obviously, they can reinforce it at home as well. But just having that expertise and, you know, you're so educated and you've got all the strategies and in a way to do it, I just think it's an absolute no-brainer for any school if they can exactly can afford to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree hold, wholeheartedly. <laughs> no worries. Well, Karen, is there anything else you want to say before we leave it there? Because I know I've got you up really early over there. Was it 7.30 a.m. over there? Dedication, what can I say? Um, no, just just a huge a huge thank you, and you know I'm really I'm really grateful that we can talk about this over two continents as well. How exciting that we can we can yes. explore the opportunities of mining marvels, and of course, if anyone is interested, just come find us. We're really easy to find on online. Yeah, no, I think what you've done is fantastic. You're a young entrepreneur. You've seen a massive problem, and it's a social problem as well. And you've gone in there. And you're and you're solving it, and which I think is really really commendable. And I can see this thing blowing up. You know, you there's one other lady. There's a lady over here called um, Little Dreamers, Ma- Ma- Madeline as well. He's sort of had a similar sort of thing. Young person gone into this sort of social entrepreneurship and has a massive organisation. I think you know you you could do something really really similar. It's going to be impressive to see what you do. I'm I'm going to look really forward to following your progress. And uh, yeah, you got the branding on point. You you know your video is fantastic and your offering is so so needed. And hopefully you know a bit more attention can come your way. 
um, in Scotland as well. I can see you on Scottish... T- I, don't, I don't know what the morning show over there, but you'd be a perfect morning show guest or something over there in, in Scotland to talk about this because this is really, really important to a lot of parents. So hopefully, you know, you can get some PR and this blows up because I think it's great what you do. It's really, really unique. And um, you're a young entrepreneur now like yourself doing what you're doing is fantastic. It's really, really impressive. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, really, really excited for future too. And hey, maybe we'll catch up in Australia when I launch there. <laughs> for sure. Now, Jim would love to meet you so that we can arrange it, no problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Karen.